What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Ross Taylor from F-Bomb. And I'm really excited about this. He helped me tremendously in starting the Keto Breakup, so I've got all kinds of questions for him. I'm sure we'll dive into all different areas of business and nutrition and, and whatnot. So without further ado, how are you, man? I am fantastic, Mr. Sykes. No, thank you, Robert. I'm I'm excited to be talking to you, and I'm excited that I get to see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I am as well. I am as well. So I want to I want to just kind of dive in. Most people, I'm sure, have probably heard of F bomb. Um, if they haven't, it's the the macadamia nut butters that everybody loves. But I'd love to kind of hear some of the origination story, and then just really flesh that out and just see where that takes us. Oh, like my origination story into keto, or yeah, kind of. Yeah, they're kind of related, I would imagine. So just just kind of dive into how you fell into keto and then how F-Bomb kind of was born from that. You know, I, th I think that's why we've been successful. It's very much a product we made out of personal need, trying to find stuff that I could take with me when I was traveling for work. I was going to, you know, India or Japan or all over the US or Europe and trying to find things that were high in fat and portable and didn't have any artificial ingredients or non-caloric sweeteners. And that was the challenge. But I started doing keto before it was kind of cool back in the, oh, I don't remember. It's been, it was before my oldest son was born. So that's 27 years ago. I started uh, after my dad passed away and my uncle convinced me that keto was probably a better way to, to eat for us with a family history of diabetes. They all had type two, which morphed into type one diabetes and really was just debilitating for all of them. And they, all three of them, you know, my dad and his brothers were all three doctors and they should have known better, I think. So mm -hmm. it made an impact and it's it's been good for my life. Certainly a, a big part of why I I feel very healthy and I would say vibrant, although that sounds really hokey, but 57, I still feel really good. And I've got none of those issues that plagued my my dad or his brothers and other people in my family. So you know, I wanted to stay with the lifestyle, but couldn't find what I wanted to eat. You know, there's a lot of keto junk food out there, a lot of stuff that's got fillers or weird things in it. And, uh, you know, we try to eat a very clean kind of whole food focused keto diet and couldn't find it. So we, we went on a limb and started making stuff and it took off. So kind of like from a time frame perspective, you know, you said you've been keto now for 27 years, which is pretty impressive. I don't think most people could say that. Um, I mean, there wasn't any products available really, you know, 27 years ago. Now there's all kinds of different keto-friendly products popping up, but I can definitely see the frustration in the hole in the marketplace, you know, for something that was portable and keto-friendly, you know, that long. Um, so for you starting the product, I mean, did you kind of have, did you know that you wanted to get into nut butters or did that just kind of happen because, I mean, did, how did that happen? How, how did nut butters become the direction you went? Actually, we started with the oils and we were packing oils for me to take with me when I was traveling. And so we'd get these little Ziploc baggies. They were really jewelry bags from Michael's craft store. And, you know, we'd mix oils. Kara would help me. We'd mix up a bunch of these little packets for me to take with me. But of course, they'd leak in your luggage. And that was, that was horrendous. It's kind of what made us realize we needed to do something different. Uh, the nut butters, although we were making nut butters at home, we really started with the oils and, you know, with coconut oil and 
uh, olive oil, avocado oil, MCT oil in packets. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there are other options for that now, but when we started even just a little over three years ago, they there weren't many. Uh, there was one company making coconut oil in little packets, and it's pretty good, but uh, we wanted something a little different. So that's where we started. And then the macadamia nut butters came after that. And there are, you know, well-known brands of macadamia nut butter or other nut butters in packs, but couldn't find the macadamia nut that we like so much. Mm -hmm. And really the inspiration for that came after hearing Zach Bitter. Uh, he's got a couple world records in the 100 mile run and he's a pretty well-known ultra runner. And he was being interviewed talking about his favorite snacks. And he said, I love to eat macadamia nuts, but they're hard to eat when I'm running. And Karen and I looked at each other and we said, you know, we, we can fix that. We're already making macadamia nut butter. So yeah, that's where that part of it came from. And, and with regard to Karen, like did she, so she's been with you from the business side since the beginning or what was that transition like? Yeah. You know, and our business is not very old. And in fact, we've only been married a couple of years. We, we started the business about a little over three years ago, October of 2015 was when we first started our, our first sales. Uh, we started in March or so of 2015, getting the business set up and getting the permitting and setting up and getting inspected uh, a commercial kitchen space. But uh, we were together at the time, but not married. Mm -hmm. See, keto brought us together. Yeah, yeah. No, this this is this is cool, man. Because like for me with the keto brick, like all these initial stages, stories that that you know and other people, you know, they they may not know the behind the scenes. So I'd love to just dive into this because there's there's been a lot of people, uh, you know, that have emailed and reached out to me that have shown an interest in you know starting something from the ground up and building it up, and and there seems to be like this, this just you know lack of knowledge around the initial steps, and you know honestly you have to just kind of jump in and see where it, where it takes you because there's so many things you don't know when you first start a business, and I'd love for you to kind of flesh that out and and just what what those those first steps look like. I am happy to. And I got to say, I mean, you you at the beginning said something about me helping you out, but man, you helped us out. You just have been a big supporter and I appreciate that. And it's been fun. You know, we started, we literally started just like you did, uh, making stuff in small batches, doing it all ourselves. Uh, we've never used a co-packer for our products. We bought our own equipment and started pretty small. Mm -hmm. uh, as we've grown, we've, we've now got bigger, faster, better equipment, but we're still doing it here. And so that's what I respect about what you've done and some of the other people that we've been able to communicate with. I wouldn't say help, but it's just fun sharing that. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share with your audience as well. Is there any particular part? You mean like the logistics of how do you set up a food space or packaging? Yeah. It's like with, you tell me where you want to go, Robert. With, with the food space, um, this is something that I learned from the beginning is is a lot of people, it's really dependent on the state, the the legislature with regard to food products, because some states allow, you know, people to, I think Arkansas, at least, I don't know about Arizona where you're located, but for, for Arkansas, you can't make a product in your, your home uh, to sell outside of, you know, your local jurisdiction. So you can make something in-house to sell, you know, at a local farmer's market or something like that, but anything that crosses the state line has to be produced in a certified commercial kitchen space. I'm assuming that's probably the same for you. It is. And in fact, I think that's the same for for everybody that we've been able to to kind of work with. 
So if you think about it, the FDA regulations for making a food product are really pretty, I wouldn't say lax, but they're minimal. Uh, it sounds really daunting. You know, you've got to have a commercial kitchen space, but that space is regulated by your local, uh, they call it an AHJ, an authority having jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. And so your local AHJ, whether it's the county or the city or the state, uh, depending upon where you are, would certify your kitchen space just like they would any restaurant. And once you've got that, then all you've got to do is go online with the FDA and you fill out a registration form and it would it take 10 minutes maybe? Mm -hmm. uh, boom, you're registered. So they they let the local jurisdiction handle the inspection and the health certification. What we've encouraged people to do is if you let me back up. You know, in our in our case, we knew what we wanted to do. We were able to find a local facility that had some it was kind of set up as laboratory spaces and we rented a 400 square foot space we put in a commercial dishwasher we set it up and got it inspected as a commercial kitchen we weren't doing any cooking so that was pretty easy uh, but with people that have you know food prep requirements and they want to do something small we encourage them to go find a kitchen that's already certified and isn't being used uh, Oftentimes you can find a church, you know, if you go to a church and they have a kitchen for making donuts and coffee and snacks on the weekends, maybe on Tuesday, there's nobody in the kitchen and for 50 bucks or some donation to the church, they'll let you use the kitchen space mm -hmm. uh, under their licensing umbrella or, you know, a, a, a restaurant that's open for breakfast and lunch, but not for dinner or vice versa. And you can go in in the morning when maybe they're doing prep and you pay them a little bit to let them uh, uh, or for them to let you use their kitchen space and do the prep. And that's been a pretty good option. We've been able to work with a few little startups who've been able to find options just by doing exactly that. It is, it is interesting. You know, when you first jump into the foray of starting a, a business, but especially like a food product business, it's, it's somewhat daunting at first. You, you seem to find like all the hurdles you have to jump over but when you like, like for you, who's already gone through it, and for me, who's already gone through all that initial, um, you know, red tape, so to speak, when you look back at it, it's really not that overwhelming. Like it, it I guess it could be at the onset when you're first seeing it for the first time. But, you know, when you really just dive in, there's not a whole lot of barriers to entry, like people that have an idea that they think they could, they could act upon. Like I fully, fully encourage them to just, you know, dive into it, start digging in and seeing what has to be done because from like a, you know, finding a certified commercial kitchen, like you're saying, is not too, too difficult. They're, they're oftentimes, you know, right around the corner. And then they're, from like a legality standpoint, um, I don't know how you have your setup, but I, I just basically made a DBA off of my current LLC company that I had with Keto Savage. So I've got like a, a doing business as, which is all, I mean, I use LegalZoom for all of that. So it was pretty easily, uh, easily done as well. So there's not a whole lot of red tape that one has to really get through to get off the ground and, and run it. Yeah, if if you're willing to dig a bit, and I, maybe I'm premature. I'm sure we'll talk about this at the end. But I am always happy to to talk to people and and help guide them. And you know, as I know you are too, you're very giving. Uh, but if anybody has any particular questions, you know, I'm I'm certainly happy to spend some time on the phone with with a startup, unless you're making donuts. Yeah, you know, I mean, stuff that's going to kill people. But uh, yeah, you know. 
if you follow what I think is the traditional route and you start searching for a you know, co-packer or you look for food consultants to help you make stuff, uh, they will want to sell you packages. They'll want to use their ingredients. They're going to want to send or sell you 100,000 of something. Uh, the minimum order quantities, the MOQs are usually pretty high. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, just stop right there. But like you said, if you dig a bit, you can find places like I know you and I have both used the same packaging manufacturer for some bags mm -hmm. uh, early on. And you know there are places out there that have pre-made things to which you can apply labels and get in with a pretty low, low bar. Uh, and it's out there uh, as long as you don't take that first quote or that first, you know, oh, you have to do it this way for, you know, as gospel, because it isn't. Like you said, it can be pretty simple as long as you are following good manufacturing procedures, you know, sanitary practices, you meet the guidelines of your local inspection jurisdiction or inspecting authority, then you're off and running. Uh, we set up our own LLC here in Arizona. The company name is actually Love You Foods, F-Bomb's the brand. Mm -hmm. uh, we got trademarks on the F-Bomb logo. We have a trademark on our tagline, Fat is Smart Fuel. And attorneys told us, oh, it'd be like 1800 bucks per, per trademark. And we did all three ourselves. Kara did them. It took her a couple hours, but she submitted them. We got them approved right off. And they were just the filing fee was about 180 bucks, I think, each. And that was it. So again, pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of people, you know, that want to go the, the whole co packing route or, you know, really outsourcing a lot of it, there are a lot more barriers to entry there from like a cost standpoint. But, you know, like you and I have done in, in the initial stages of just making it in our own kitchen and kind of, you know, getting a local certified commercial kitchen space and just keeping everything in house. There, there's a whole lot of whole lot of you know just random expenses and things you would never expect to have to deal with, and you find yourself knees deep in it before long. But it it, it lowers that initial barrier to entry cost quite significantly, and then honestly, you can dive in and see if that idea that you have has any potential in the first place. Because if you're not able to generate some kind of momentum with you know you keeping it in house for those initial stages, then you're probably not likely going to be able to after you, you know, go out and co-pack and have a whole lot of volume. So it's it's kind of a really good testing ground, uh, for lack of a better word, to keep it in-house and start things off organically. Yeah, I, I agree totally there because we, our first packaging was stuff we had printed, but we were able to get the packaging printed. So it had a blank spot on the front and the back on which we could put a clear label with white printing. So it's it's actually really difficult on those first packs to see that there's a label on them. And it it did triple the cost of the pack. You got the price of the pack plus a, a label for the front and a label for the back. But it allowed us to buy a, like a 10,000 pack run of these pouches that were pre-made. Uh, we didn't have to get different ones for each variety, which is expensive. Mm -hmm. Now you've, you're getting 10,000 of four different varieties, plus each one's got all these different print rollers. Uh, so we got one set that had the blank on the front and the back. And for the first six months, we put labels on all of those. And, you know, 
kind of the the Tim Ferriss minimum viable concept or product concept, you know, where you it's not perfect and it was more expensive than you know, the single pouch would have been without the labels, but it allowed us to get in and try different varieties. We actually had a macadamia nut with no salt in it, and it was not a big seller. So we discontinued that and it didn't cost us a lot. We had, you know, a couple thousand labels and that was really the only expense. So it gave us the option to, like you said, you know, test market something, see if it sticks, see if people like it, see if you need to tweak it before you then invest in now the the pouches we have are you know all custom printed and everything, and we we have a machine that makes them here in house. But uh, yeah, we I, I love the creativity you've done. You know, you're wrapping the bricks in foil. You've got that band around them. By the way, I've got one of those sitting on my desk right now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the way to do it. I think unless you've got unlimited resources and you're some conglomeration or corporation coming in with a bunch of money for the things we're doing. And when I say we, I mean like Karen, I, or you, or, uh, how do you feel about me mentioning other brands? I don't know. No, no, that's fine with me. <laughs> no, like, you know, uh, neuro roast or new roast and, uh, you know, uh, Jason with the peely nuts when he started out, I mean, we all are doing this from scratch mm -hmm. on our own money and trying to do something that's different from what's in the marketplace. And, you know, I think starting out small, people understand that. Yeah, our packaging wasn't perfect. It's still not perfect. We get complaints now about the shape of our packaging. But, you know, as long as people know that they're real people behind it, we're not a big corporation. We didn't come in with a bunch of money and just go to a co-packer and say, hey, market research told us we should do this, this, and this. And, you know, I mean... There are hearts and souls behind these, and I think that's important. Yeah, I think that is. It, it, earns, it earns some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, people are willing to sort of forgive us for the the small mistakes, the imperfect packaging, because they know that we're trying. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'll be I'll be the first to say that my packaging right now, I, I like the tinfoil, I like the wristband, uh, but my packaging with regard to the black pouch with the label over top of it is terrible because it's such a hassle to open up the black package because that label uh, covers it all. But, you know, I'm able to kind of test these products very quickly because I have an uncle that does labeling as a, as a business. So I'm able to get labels on a very quick turnaround and I could put out new flavors sooner. That said, all the flavors that I've tested that I, I'm going to stick with, I've, I've ordered, you know, really, really nice custom packaging that's, that's getting made and shipped to me, you know, and, and that's going to be a substantial upgrade in the look and feel of the product, but you know it's not worth it for me to do that initially and then bypass all this 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 testing on the front end because I think that testing is what allows you to refine and kind of improve. You know, well, and I see that you just made a change with the coffee, and so you're obviously listening and willing to to tweak. And because we don't have a hundred thousand dollars in, you know, invested in a bunch of packaging, we can make those changes and be responsive. And I think that's cool. So like. You know, the the plain macadamia, we discontinued it. And of course, the week we did that, two people called and said, hey, can I get some more of that before you get rid of yeah, it? Yeah. But, you know, you got to stick with, uh, if you have too many products, now you've got a bunch of money invested in materials and that doesn't make sense. But yeah, I, I, I love how you're doing that. And and I think it's it's fun watching you grow. I appreciate it. I really do. So I, I want to 
dive into, you know, I'm look at what Crystal and I have had to go through, uh, you know, in these these first initial stages. I mean, we launched Keto Brick in March uh, of 2000, uh, 2018, so just last year. Um, and, you know, those first several months when you're, you're starting to gain some momentum, but there's still so many things to figure out. You don't even know what you don't know yet. And nothing's efficient. Everything is totally, you know, reactive instead of proactive. And you're you know, putting yourself out there and doing everything you can to be the best person you can and add as much value as you can. And then you just get, you know, hit over the head with all this. Um, and there, you get a lot of positivity, don't get me wrong. Like the, most of it is positivity, but you get a lot of negativity from people that just don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. And like they'll get a wrong order or something will be, uh, you know, messed up or something's not going to be right. And that gets to you. How did, how did you and Kara respond to that or, did y'all get a lot of that? I'm, I have to assume that you probably got a lot, a lot of it because it's just part of being a, a new business. It is. I mean, I, I think, you know, on our website we get almost exclusively five star reviews. People, people will even gripe about the packaging. I couldn't get it all out, or that you know there was a chunk stuck in the bottom and I couldn't get it out. And your packaging sucks. Five stars. Mm -hmm. Love you. <laughs> but on Amazon, it's a completely different story and. That is really our, our biggest source of, you know, frustration is because we lose that relationship and you can't reach out to the customers. If somebody leaves a review on Amazon, there's no way to tunnel back and contact that customer mm -hmm. uh, and you lose touch with them. And, you know, you are, you are a social people person and you could talk to somebody. And if, if somebody had a problem with their order, I know that, you know, Robert, you could call them up and they would understand, hey, you and Crystal, your souls are behind this and you're trying to make it right and all's good. On Amazon, you can't do that. And I think that I will admit that that for us is just really frustrating because somebody will get a package that got mashed in the mail and we would absolutely make that right and replace it, but they don't know that. And if we email them, Amazon strips our email out of it so they don't even know how to contact us directly. And mm. uh, so it is frustrating and, and it keeps us up sometimes, you know, trying to figure out how can we change this and is it worth selling on Amazon? But when you look at the volume there, it, it, I think sometimes we just have to step back and say, you know, 98, 95% of the customers buying on Amazon really like what we're doing. And, and there's always going to be somebody who wishes that we were a little different or wishes we were doing something better. Uh, yeah, just a week or two ago, somebody accused us of intentionally sending the wrong products out yeah. and then refunding orders as a money-making scheme. Can't quite figure out how that would work. But, <laughs> That's know. just extra time and effort on y'all's end. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to send you the wrong product and then refund it. And wow, we we just <laughs> we stole from you right there. No. Yeah, it, it, it honestly kind of amazes me like it's, it used to really, really get at me at on the front end, um, and it really got the crystal. Like she would go into like panic attacks almost. But you know, we both know in our hearts that we're doing everything we possibly can, and our intentions are pure. And when you know that with absolute certainty, you almost become—I don't know—like the the negative doesn't affect you as much because when you know that you're doing everything you can, like there's 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 no reason to let yourself become bothered with things that you have no control over. Um, so that that's kind of what we've done, but it it is hard 
to to get those negative comments. And the thing about a food product, which is something that I've really realized over the past several months, is that it is literally impossible to make everybody happy. Like somebody might email saying they hate the coffee and the mocha. They just hate it. So they're like, okay, maybe we need to take the coffee out of the mocha. But then they'll then somebody else will email back and they're like, I love the coffee and the mocha. So it's like you're really caught between a rock and a hard space because there's no way to to appease everybody. And it'd be nice if the people you did please with the two different varieties were just happy and the ones that were displeased would say, Oh, this one's not for me. I'm gonna eat that one though. But you know, the internet's created a like when I was a police officer and they talk about road rage, you know, I had the theory about people on the road in the cars, you know, they'll do things because there's this sense of detachment and anonymity that uh, like when you're driving on the road, you see somebody next to you on the freeway and they got their finger in their nose. They wouldn't do that next to you on a bench in the mall or something. Yeah. 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 Because you can confront them. There's that embarrassment, but you know, same thing on the internet, people, I think, you know, they're willing to be really vocal and sometimes really hateful without realizing or thinking that there's a real person there on the other end, like you and Crystal or Kara and myself who read these and, you know, take them personally. But, you know, we get enough positive feedback that when somebody accuses us of being misleading because they say, oh, that, you know, our salted chocolate one, it's naturally sweetened chocolate. And people say, oh, that's not keto. You guys are misleading and we just have to take a breath and realize that most of the folks who are buying our products really like them and, and they understand we're trying to do something really honest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you give me like a, like a, like a timeline? Like if you were to, you know, draw out a timeline over the past few years since, since you launched FBOM, what are some of the, the big, you know, pillar moments, uh, you know, like, like the launch day, for instance, would be one obviously, but like you know, each relocation or what, what are just some of the, the major, you know, positive moments and even, even neg negative moments, but what are the, the moments in history over the past few years that really stand out to you? Well, the timeline, you know, again, we, we started, it took us, oh, seven, eight months to get everything set up, get the kitchen space approved. Uh, we, in September of 2015, did a podcast interview with Jimmy Moore and we had We'd reached out to him. Uh, we thought he and Christine were, you know, a good potential kind of introduction conduit to the keto community. We still work with them and respect them. They've been to our house. And, uh, but back then, you know, like, how are we going to tell people about our product and what we want to do? And so this was September before we launched. And we did a podcast interview in the park with Jimmy and, much to Kara's sort of astonishment, I guess I announced, hey, October 15th, we're going to start sales. And later she said, oh, we're not going to be ready. And we made it. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was a bit of a bit of frustration there. We had packaging on the way and we thought it would arrive in time, but then it got a little delayed. So there was some frustration there, you know, but things took off. We got orders the first day and we thought, oh, maybe we have a thing. And we stayed in that commercial space, that little 400 square foot space for almost a year. I think the biggest frustration there is we were trying to do that part-time while we also each had full-time jobs. And my job, of course, required a lot of travel. So I'd be gone and we'd run out of stock. And uh, We gave away a lot of free product because we were late getting orders out. You know, some of it, 
I was sort of the production guy. And so I'd come back and, you know, try to catch up on orders and to apologize, you know, and ask for some forgiveness. We'd double somebody's order, mm -hmm. which of course hurts the bottom line when you're looking at that and when you're self-funded. Uh, but things picked up and I think the big turning point was in January of 2018 when we, uh, maybe 2017, now I'm, now I'm losing track, but, uh, you know, when we both quit our full-time jobs and went full-time into the business, just things changed, mm -hmm. things I can't explain, but it, uh, somewhere, you know, the universe realized, wow, they now need this to be a success. And our sales started growing and we were growing at like 70% a month, which is great. But then of course, you know, cause I, I see you, you know, you, you make a batch and it sells out in 30 minutes. And uh, how do you plan the batch size when your growth is so, so yeah, like, it's meteoric? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. So I, I feel for you. And we were doing that. And, you know, we're trying to buy macadamia nuts for next month's production planning, you know, but not knowing really what is next month's uh, sales figure going to be and how much do we need? And, you know, how are we going to buy macadamia nuts for next month with the money we're bringing in this month, you know, because of course it keeps growing. So it was good, but also frustrating. There was a lot of juggling of personal finances there. And then um, we were at uh, KetoCon and met an investor guy who owns a, an exogenous ketone company. They'd had a supplement, sports supplement company. And he was there looking at the booth for their exogenous ketone company, you know, KetoLogic. And he came walking around and there were a lot of people at our booth and they were really excited about what we were doing. And that's where we met you too. Mm -hmm. uh, and he came by a couple of times and he talked to Jade, our friend. He thought she was my sister because she was in our booth and she was so passionate. So he talked to Jade and thought she was my sister. And then he came back and talked to me and um, later in the day, and we're just dead tired because you know how those things are. And we've been talking to people all day and he said, Hey, could I talk to you after the show a little bit? Uh, said, sure. We didn't know if he was a, you know, a doctor or distributor or whatever, but he said, Hey, I really like what you guys are doing. We're thinking about starting a keto food company, but after seeing what you guys are doing and hearing all the feedback today, you know, I wonder if you'd be interested in some investment money and some help in growth. And mm -hmm. that was a huge step for us. Also a very hard thing to do too. You know, we'd been offered money before, but they brought investment money that helped us buy the new machine that helped us grow. But they also had people who could, you know, make connections to like we're in GNC right now and CVS pharmacies and uh, that ability to navigate those waters and talk about things that we'd never heard of, like FDM, you know, turns out that's the keyword. You're talking to somebody and you say, oh yeah, I want to talk to your FDM person and that's food, drug, mass. Uh, but there's this whole separate language that we didn't know about. And so they brought that expertise. Of course, you also give up some control or you potentially give up some control. They've been great to work with, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there are the horror stories of people who take investment money and then they lose control and all of a sudden they're not doing what they wanted to do or they've changed the product. And um, so it's, it's 
kind of like a marriage. It's got to be a good fit, but those are sort of the milestones. Yeah. I, I didn't realize you were in that small space up until that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, so the first, uh, when we were at uh, Paleo FX, we were so small and still doing so much of it ourselves. I mean, we had one employee when we went to our first Paleo FX that behind the screen, you know, we had our truck, Keto One, the, the mm -hmm. conversion ambulance there. And we had Keto One and then we had the screen in our booth. And behind the screen, we'd set up a table and Kara was back there with a computer and a label printer filling orders because if we didn't fill orders while we were gone, there was nobody back here to do that. We were still, so Keto One was filled with product that we'd made and we took it down to Texas with us. And uh, every day then, you know, we'd send our friend Eva or somebody over to the post office with all these orders and ship them out. But, and that was in 2017? Yeah, changed. Or 2018? What's that? That was all in 2018 still? Uh, that was 17. 17? It was yeah. So we started uh, October 2015 were our first sales. Uh, 2016 was the part-time growth. We went from the 400 square foot space to a, a 900 square foot space. And then uh, just a, it was November of 2017 that we moved over here into our 5,600 square foot space. And now we've already got a contract with an offsite warehouse location that holds a lot of our materials for us just because we've kind of outgrown this space already. But. Do you have like, like I'm sure you do, but I'd love if you can send me, like email me some pictures of each of these warehouse spaces, like just like a behind the scenes, because I'm going to put that in the show notes if you don't mind, because I don't know, for some some reason, I love, I love watching the growth of a company, like something about a warehouse space and new equipment. Like, I don't know, I just love that stuff. I could, I can dive into that all day long. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, so again, if anybody wants to get into this and they want to know, you know, what equipment do we look at or what did we find that worked or, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share all of that. Or, you, you know, like I've shared our early packaging manufacturer with us and we're not with them anymore just because they sort of focus on the smaller stuff, but man, they were good to deal with. Absolutely. I'll share any photos. I'll, I'll find some in this and send those to you. And, and with regards to the equipment, um, so talk about, I don't want to reveal any trade secrets or anything, obviously, but with regard to your manufacturing process, you're getting these nuts um, and then you're, you know, you're pressing them, you're extracting, you're, you're making the nut butter all in-house from just the raw nuts, right? We were. Uh, when we started, we would buy 100 pounds of macadamia nuts uh, mm -hmm. and then we would grind those in-house. Now we're buying 40 or 50,000 pounds at a time and we just can't do that here. So we're buying enough that our nut supplier is custom roasting and custom grinding those for us and we get them in drums. So we'll get a full truckload of macadamia nut butter. Uh, we are looking at equipment to roast and grind here again on a bigger scale, but you know, there's a there's a big step. The first nuts we were buying actually were left over from runs that Cliff Bar was doing. So Cliff Run, would, Cliff Bar would get dry roasted macadamia nut pieces, and they'd put them in their bars. And we were buying what was kind of the leftover from those. Mm. Uh, they were already dry roasted. We don't want to roast in you know sunflower oil or peanut oil or anything. So dry roasting was important. 
and we were we bought our own commercial grinder. It's got to be NSF approved, so you know any of that stuff's pretty expensive. And the first one was about three thousand dollars, but we still use it for grinding pecans here. So the macadamia nut butter we're getting roasted and ground to our spec, just because we're getting so much of it that mm-hmm. we we couldn't do that in house. But the pecans that we grind into that macadamia nut butter blend for the macadamia pecan, we grind the pecans here. We get raw pecans. Although I'll I'll, I'll share that we, by doing raw pecan, we've made our, our process a little more challenging. We understand why everybody uses dry roasted pecans for pecan butter because you can control the moisture. Mm. When you get raw pecans, we'll have four different batches of pecans or four different lots and some have a different moisture content than the others and so when you grind them the consistency is different it's a it's a juggle it's a challenge here to you know blend everything so that it it has the same consistency even with that variation in the moisture in the pecans gotcha gotcha wow i I went a bit of off stray there, man, talking about grinding, but no, no, this, uh, this is good. I feel like, you know, going into the, the ultra details here, I mean, it, it may fly over a lot of people's heads if they're not interested at all, but for the people that are, it would be really valuable. Um, so let's just keep on diving <laughs> with, with regard to, yeah. And there's, I will say there's really nothing proprietary. I mean, we let people, we've had tons of people, uh, come by the factory here and we give tours and we, let them take pictures of the equipment and the process, which I think surprises them. And somebody, you know, a couple have asked, well, aren't you worried about, you know, giving away your, your recipe or proprietary secrets? And I said, you know, if you look at the back of the pack, there's the recipe. So, yeah, you know, we're not doing anything magic. Um, and that's always been our fear is, you know, some big company could say, wow, keto's catching on. And these little guys here, you know, they're doing something that seems to have some legs and we're going to copy it. But I think that's where having that connection with the consumer is important. You know, we go to events, we try to support the community and worthwhile causes. And, you know, so hopefully when somebody, some big conglomeration is making these, the customers will remember us back when. Yeah, I think I think that's 100% the right way to look at it, man. It, it's hard to take that approach because you have to be like the bigger and the better person to do so because it, it, I mean, you have to maintain your integrity. But I think that's absolutely the right way to go. And I've I've looked at what I've built with Keto Brook and I've tried to emulate that same philosophy. I mean, you know, somebody might come in with a lot more money, a lot more investors and replicate exactly what I'm doing. Because I mean, like you said, the, the the ingredients are on the website, they're all in the package. I mean, you can figure it out. Um, but, you know, since I've really tried to be consistent with the content and really showing people, you know, the, the behind the scenes from the very beginning, I'm hoping that that loyalty will, will be there even if somebody else was to come to market and try and take what I've built. Um, but you can't, you can't control the people. You really just have to be the best that you can be. And any time and effort and energy spent on removing the negativity is just, it's, it's an uphill battle. So you might as well not even try and deal with it. You know, just focus on what you can't control. Absolutely. You know, look at the positive, uh, don't let the the negative comments or those naysayers occasionally, you know, get you down and, and just keep on trucking. If you're selling and people like it, then you're doing something right. And that, that's good. I mean, the the nut butter line, I mean, that, that's that's becoming a more popular industry, it seems. I've, I've seen several different companies try and, you know, breach and get, get into that market specifically. So you've 
you've got some people that are trying to emulate what you've done for sure. Yeah, there's there are some similar things. I I, I feel kind of bad though. I mean, certainly we the market is big enough for all of us and I've posted, you know, I posted a picture from KetoCon with the owners of two other nut butter companies that have a, you know, similar but different product. I mean, nut butter in a pack that's natural and low carb and um you know, I posted a picture with them and I respect those guys and I think hopefully it's mutual and they you know, we can all play in that field and their products are a little bit different uh, than ours. And so if somebody has a preference, great. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, uh, no, I lost track, but you know, it's just, just be positive, keep doing what you're doing and know that, you know, imitation is certainly helpful. Oh, what I was going to say though, is I feel a little bad for somebody trying to start in the macadamia nut space right now though, because as keto has become more popular and so many of the, the keto advocates talk about, you know, macadamia nuts being a good nut option, uh, macadamia nut, there, there's only, there is a limited supply of macadamia nuts in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not something that they can just plant trees and have a bigger crop next year. So one of our challenges is we priced things originally based on where we thought macadamia nut prices would go. So when we were making our packs, initially, you know, we were paying $8.60, I think, a pound for macadamia nuts. And now we're paying over 11 a pound. Uh, and I think, I think somebody just told us that we're the number two macadamia nut purchaser in the U.S. right now this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> or last year, uh, which is kind of crazy. But the price has gone up instead of down as we've increased our purchasing, which is kind of, it's not what you would expect. You'd think as you increased your volume, you know, your pricing would go down. And mm -hmm. um, so somebody else trying to get into that macadamia nut market, I think would have a hard time just because of the price and the cost of macadamia nuts right now. So, yeah, I mean, I want them to succeed, but I, I kind of feel bad for anybody starting there. Yeah. It's, there's so many expenses and costs that you know, looking at it from the outside, looking in, it's, it's, you wouldn't even think to go there, but when you really start diving into it, there's so many hidden expenses. So it's, it's absolutely key to kind of play things conservatively and, and give yourself enough of a buffer that you don't sink before you ever get off, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. But when you're starting too, you have to know that, you know, your costs are higher mm -hmm. or should be, you know, higher when you're starting and, you know, you, you want to, price your product at a point where you aren't losing money, but hopefully you price it at a point where maybe in six months or a year when you've increased your volume, now your margins increase. And hopefully as you get bigger and bigger and you're making bigger batches, you've got some economy of scale and you can increase your margins. Uh, but then when the, the price of your ingredients or the cost of your ingredients go up, that throws that whole plan out the window. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, that, We've had people say, oh, I can't believe, you know, you guys are gouging for, you know, you're, you're charging $2.49 for a pack of nut butter. And, you know, we're just trying to make a, you know, a killing off the keto fad without understanding that, you know, look, we were doing this before it was cool. Uh, we're not following any trends and our costs are going up, not down, you know, so we're, we're certainly not 
I mean, we're doing well, but we're not like making a killing or, or really gouging. If we could reduce the cost of the packs, we would. We want to make them more accessible. Yeah, that's a really those, good point. Those comments, those complaints hurt. Yeah, yeah. Those are the ones where somebody thinks you're trying to do something dishonest or nefarious or to take advantage of people. Yeah, you know. I totally agree. We, we get a lot of those too. And it's like, look, we're, I mean, Crystal and I started this because we didn't even want to make it into a food product initially. Like we weren't even going to sell it. But when we decided to sell it, we did it to to give ourselves an opportunity to add some value and have fun and, and bring some positivity into the space. But to, to do that with the tensions we had and to get the comments of people thinking we're just trying to make a dollar off of them, it's, it's tough. Because, I mean, Crystal and I have, have yet to pay ourselves a penny from Keto Brick. Like, it all goes back into the business to try and improve those economies of scale. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of expenses that, that people don't see. They just look at that final price tag and assume that all goes into our pockets, which is not the case. No, it isn't. It isn't. You know, and, and you're doing the same thing. I mean, you're trying to plan how much stuff to buy, knowing that every time you make a batch, they're selling out like quickly. And you want, you don't want to make people sad. You know, mm -hmm. if they want a keto brick, you want them to be able to get their keto brick. So what about uh, any specific equipment items that you've used that's have just, you know, making a quantum leap in your efficiency? Um, like I think of us and we were originally, you know, I mean, we started out mixing these with a spoon and a little measuring cup and then pouring them into individual molds. And then we graduated to, you know, mix them in a bigger mixer and then just using a, a pitcher to pour into these molds. But now we've got this fully pneumatic air-driven depositor, basically, uh, that, that that makes things so much more streamlined. But for you, has there been any any kind of equipment that just made a huge difference in your overall efficiency with regard to like the packaging or the actual production? We've had a few sort of leaps and then one huge one. So when we first started out and, uh, you know, when we were doing the, the packaging, we were getting the packages pre-made and they were sealed on three sides. So the bottom was open. We'd fill from the bottom and we were using a, a medical grade peristaltic pump that I put in a, in a housing and I made an Arduino controller for it that you know, we could change the timing of the run of that peristaltic pump. And the peristaltic pump uses a, a hose. It's the same kind of stuff you would uh, find in a hospital, really. So you use a food-grade hose. The pump never touches the material. It's easy to just change out the hose, and that way you don't have to clean anything. And you just throw it up, put in new food-grade hose, and off you go. And literally, we had a, a little Arduino controller that I programmed, and you'd put the packet under it hit the button, it would take six seconds to fill the pack while the pump ran, and then you'd seal it. Um, when we bought our first volumetric piston filler, which has a little hopper and it's got a, a pneumatic piston that drives a cylinder forward, or the, yeah, the cylinder drives a piston forward and fills the pack. Now we could fill a pack in like a second and a half, mm -hmm. but then we still had to put it through the sealer by hand. Uh, with that system, we could do maybe 1,200 packs in a day if you stood there all day, filling, pre-sealing, running it through the band sealer. Uh, the machine we bought with our investment money lets us do 2,400 packs in an hour. Wow. So, I mean, in an hour, we can do twice what we were doing all day. And it was a painful process, too. My neck would cramp up and... You know, my shoulders would cramp up because I'm standing there doing the same thing over and over. So that was a huge game changer for us. Uh, you know, 
before we met the investment partners, uh, Whole Foods, the, the Whole Foods buyer out in California had approached us and we thought, wow, we could be in Whole Foods. I can't believe they're contacting us. You know, the buyer said, look, some, one of my colleagues brought these packs in and, and said, hey, we need these in the stores. Uh, so they reached out to us. And it was really sad that we couldn't do it because we couldn't, even if they said, hey, uh, we just want to go in the 10 stores in Arizona, we could not fill that demand doing mm -hmm. it by hand. So we bought a second set of equipment, another you know, volumetric piston filler, another band sealer. Uh, so now we could do 2,400 packs in a day, but still that was not enough to fill that demand. And we had to kind of stall and tell Whole Foods, uh, we can't do it right now. We love you, but we can't. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, now we're in, uh, you know, these national chains that we couldn't have done without this, this big piece of equipment. But again, doing it in-house is, is still the way we want to go. You know, we're doing it here in Flagstaff and it still has challenges. Uh, it's a big piece of equipment. It's 23 feet long. Uh, we've had some learning opportunities on it. Uh, but yeah, we've got everything dialed in and we've got a staff that run it and know it really well. Kara calls it the Fatomatic. The Fatomatic. I like that. I like that. And you said you've got a machine that does all of your own custom packaging now too, right? Yeah. So initially we were getting the pouches pre-made, mm -hmm. you know, now we get film printed for us. Uh, we get film from Glenroy and they print it for us and it's got the package image on it full width. And so it goes through the machine on a roll. So we'll get a roll and it has 17,000 impressions or packets printed on it. And we run that through the machine and it folds the pack, creates the front and the back, you know, and then it seals the three sides and then it fills the top and seals the top and cuts the top in our little rounded shape that people either love or hate. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, spits it out the end. It's still a very manual process. People are there. We're packing these into 10 pack boxes right off the machine line, but um, I can look over and see it running right now. I can't wait to, to come there in person and check it out. I'm liable to want to dive into some new equipment after seeing your operation. And actually, you know, we'll talk afterwards, but we've still got those two piston fillers here. And if one of those might work for you for a second, uh, you're welcome to have it. So yeah, look forward to seeing you out here next month. It's gonna be it's gonna be good for sure. Um, so what you you mentioned keeping everything in house, and and I have so much respect for you in doing that. Uh, there's so many things that I've learned in keeping our operation in house with Keto Brick. It's just it's so much more of a headache, but at the same time, it's so much more rewarding and fulfilling because at the end of the day, you know the buck stops with you. You can't point the finger at anybody else, and you know any success or failure is, you know, your responsibility. Um, but, but what was the decision like to keep things in house? Because it would have been easy for you to, you know, find a co-packer or find a, you know, manufacturer that can partner up with you and you pretty much just give them the numbers and they do all the, the legwork. But what was the driving factor that, that pushed you to keep it in house? There were a couple things. I mean, one of course is the cost you know, a co-packer is going to have a minimum order quantity, and typically those are pretty large. Uh, and if you have X amount of money that you've saved up, or you're going to risk on some new business, you might want to you might want to have four or five products instead of just one. So, say, you know, 
we went to a co-packer. We could have got 150,000 packs of coconut oil and now we would have been coconut oil salespeople. Uh, mm-hmm. But we really wanted to sell our house plan, which was a blend of oils for coffee and the others. And so not using a co-packer allowed us to do that. Another reason, and it was a, it was a big factor. So Kara worked for a company here in town that had about 50 or 60 employees and they moved to Phoenix. Uh, a lot of people lost their jobs and you know that, that made an impact on her. And I've worked in the wind energy field now, or had worked at the time, you know, for about 10 years. And I worked for two different companies that, you know, folded or laid people off. And Flagstaff is not a big city. We're not a tiny little community, but we're big enough that we thought, you know, if we can build something here that allows us to hire people and offer jobs, uh, I'd rather do that than just contract to a co-packer from, you know, another state where we don't have that ability to maybe provide some some benefits to people and and control the quality. I mean, that's a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Often the co-packers will want to use their sources. Uh, We've talked to some co-packers, you know, to see if maybe there are options there even yet, but they don't want to use our particular coconut butter because they have their own supplier and, you know, we really like the one we're using. And so we import that and we use it and not using a co-packer allows us all that control. Nobody can tell us no. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's uh, you know, the quality control of keeping things in house is just, you know, so much more at your fingertips. Um, you don't want to sacrifice that, especially to an audience like we sell to who are very, you know, quality, quality conscious and macro conscious. Like they, they pay attention to that stuff. So you don't want to short them by any means. Um, and then I really like where you're going with, you know, just providing opportunity for people in your area. Um, we, we've got seven employees now with Keto Brick and it, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I've never. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I had no idea. That is fantastic. Yeah. I, I want to see your operation. Yeah. We'd love to have you out here. Um, but it's the coolest thing because, you know, employees, I'm, as I'm sure you can relate, can be a, a huge headache. I mean, they'll, they'll have like drama. They'll just be like some stupid thing you have to, you know, go and mitigate, which I think is just part of dealing with people in general. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're a, a big family and, you know, I, I genuinely care about their well-being and all I'll do stuff for them to like help them get a better footing in life or see some other opportunity. And it's just, it's just cool to be able to provide an environment where they can come, you know, put an honest day's work in, collect the the side that they use to, you know, feed their kids, buy their groceries, whatever it is they, they use it on. But for me to be able to provide that to the community, it's just, it's just such a fulfilling opportunity. And I would never have that if we, if we just outsourced it to some, you know, big conglomerate. Oh, that is fantastic. I'm really happy for you. I didn't realize you were so big. That's cool. But yeah, we get that. We've got, you know, um, it, it was so cool. I got a a call on Monday of this week from a place that's, uh, they're a uh, an apartment complex or they do screening for this apartment complex. And one of our employees is applying to get an apartment there. And you know, they called me to verify his employment and that was just really cool to be able to say, yeah, we love this guy. You know, we just recently promoted him and, you know, he's definitely going to be around for a while. And that was, that was fun. I really liked that. Um, yeah, we got a good group of people. I can look over and see them over here right now. And 
one of them just walked out and waved to me while I'm talking to you. And yeah, that's, it's cool. Yeah. We you know, made some good friends here. We've well, got one guy, he's working here just temporarily and he's living mm -hmm. in an RV. He and his girlfriend are driving around the country and he may only be with us for the next three or four months. And then he's going up to Colorado this summer, but. it's uh, awesome. Yeah. I, I admire that and I respect that. And uh, I, we support that. You know, one thing I, I noticed from you from the very beginning, I met you, I think, I guess last year's KetoCon or maybe in 2017, I don't recall. Um, yeah, it was the one before. Yeah, the one one before. But from the the moment I met you and like we started having a conversation, I don't remember what it was you said, you said to me. You said something like, we really like your style, I think. I think that's what you said. Um, but like the, the moment we had a conversation, like I could just tell instantly that you and Kara both are just top quality people. Like you genuinely care about the other person. You're not selfish at all. And you, you have so much just good in you and you go out of your way to help others and see them succeed. And it's just contagious. And I, I, I truly respect that of you. And I, I thank you for all that you've done to help me grow, but keep doing what you're doing, man, because you're doing it hundred percent the right way. And it shows. Wow. I'm humbled because I think the same of you, man, I, you know, and this isn't some mutual admiration society, but I do like your style. I liked your style before I met you. I saw what you were doing online. I saw your positivity. One of the most rewarding things for us has been the relationships and the connections we've been able to make, you know, and people who are just the epitome of positivity, uh, you know, and I, I and Kara, I mean, we were both just honored and really, really humbled sometimes by the quality of people who are willing to support what we're doing. So like Andrew Marr, he's got a movie coming out this year about his efforts to help veterans and athletes with traumatic brain injury and, you know, just so positive and so willing to help others or Sid Smith, uh, you know, goes by try no feet or, mm. you know, it just people i am i'm a i'm a big fan of people who smile in the face of adversity you know you see Kristen Rowell and everything she just got this huge smile on her face for everything or christy connect she's a a long distance mountain runner and every she'll be slogging up the rim of the grand canyon setting a, a new fastest known time and she's got a big smile on her face and um the fact that people like that and like yourself, where you're just willing to give and be positive and you're upbeat, uh, the fact that you kind of like what we're doing is cool. It really is. It's, it's very touching. So, And likewise, likewise. I mean, it's, I think, I, you know, speaking for both of us here, any success we have in the ketogenic space or, you know, consumer space as a whole is honestly just a direct result of the support we've we've had from the people listening to this podcast and, and others. So, I mean, you and I both owe everything to, to the community. So I think, you know, you and I are of the mindset that we were so blessed to have what we've built and we've worked very hard for it, but, you know, we just want to give as much value, much more so than we take, because at the end of the day, it is for the people that were successful in the first place. So, I mean, we owe everything to y'all. I agree. You know, and it, it you've got to feel good knowing that you're doing something that helps people live a what's really a healthier lifestyle. 
whatever mm-hmm. Jillian Michaels says. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, well, real quick, man, what what does the the future look like? I know, I mean, y'all are growing at the speed of light. What what are you excited about? What's coming up that that's got you got you ramped up? Well, we just agreed to sponsor the Ragnar race series again this year. Uh, that was so fun last year. The Ragnar is this relay race series. And what's cool about it is it's not just for elite runners. They have elite or ultra running teams, but you'll get offices who want to do a team building exercise and none of them are big runners. And they decide they're going to do this 200 mile, 12 person relay race. And it was such a diverse group. Kara and I had a blast going to those. And so this year we're going to be able to personally go to more of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just, that was a lot of fun. We do have some new products coming out that are not made here, but we're in a position now that we can be really selective about, you know, when we find somebody and they're doing something great, but they're not making exactly what we want. We think they have the potential to do it. Um, We've been able to, to start some of those talks. And so we have a, a meat stick, a meat snack coming out later this quarter that uh, has more fat in it than anything else out there in the market. And it's all natural, hormone-free, and they're delicious. And then, of course, you know, we got the Keto Crunch cheese snacks that just came out, and those are being made for us to our specs, you know, by a little family-run place, and we really like what they're doing. The challenge has been keeping them in stock. We sold out. I think we're sold out on our website for another three or four weeks, which is well, you know what that's like. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, no, that's... And we're working on a we're working on a, a bar. You know, I'll, I'll share that. Uh, you know, every every bar out there that's got nuts in it really is stuck together with sticky, high carby stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to name the brands because I really respect and and like that there are some really clean brands out there of nut bars, but most of them they're stuck together with dates or corn syrup. And so it's got a lot of carbs in it, even if it's natural stuff. And so uh, we're trying to do something that has been a challenge to do, but if it were easy, I think it'd be out there already. And so it's a a nut bar that's high in fat, but natural and doesn't have anything artificial and no non-caloric sweeteners in it. And, you know, just a little different. So fun stuff. Yeah, that, that's that's the cool thing about keeping it in house too. Is you have so much flexibility with with what you can bring to the market, and you're you know so in tune with what the market's telling you that you can act upon that in a relatively quick fashion and and keep everybody excited. It it's pretty cool. It's it's so fulfilling to be able to like I said add value and just bring something unique to the to the place that that people can benefit from. So, if you had taken your keto break idea and gone to a a traditional bar consultant. You just said, hey, I want to do something like this. And they would have come back with something different and it would have had their proprietary ingredient in it, you know, mm-hmm. Ac- Acme, Acme bar, you know, 2000. Uh, and it wouldn't be the keto brick. It wouldn't be what right. you're making. And so, yeah, I think you did it the right way. And if you hadn't done it that way, we wouldn't have the keto brick out there. I agree. I agree. And same goes to F-Bomb. Real quick, what yeah. what what was the motivation behind F bomb? I really love like the branding, dropping F bomb. I mean, like it's it's perfect. How, how did that come to be? That was the middle of the night frustration genius from Kara. So, you know, like I said, we started the company. We set up the LLC for Love You Foods, and 
you know, Love You Foods, we picked that name because we we do care and we want people to be healthy and but we didn't know what we would call the product. And originally, you know, one of our first products we still have, it's really popular. It's our house blend oil. It's a blend of, you know, raw organic coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, and Brazil nut oil for putting in your coffee. And when it's cold, it kind of glops out. And our file structure in Dropbox initially was glop. You know, we didn't know what to call it. So we just codenamed it glop. But of course, that would be a marketing disaster. And, you know, I I joke around a lot and I was joking, you know, maybe we could do like a Dr. Susie kind of gloppity glop glop. And now we're coming up on, we've got to get art and packaging and we don't know what to call this stuff. And two in the morning, Kara had this brainstorm and she woke up in the, in the morning and told me, you know, I, I had this dream and we called it F-bomb. And then she laughed. She was just kidding. And I was like, oh my God, that's genius. Because think about it. People could drop an F-bomb in their coffee or they could drop an F-bomb at work. And, and she said, we can't do that. And I'm already on, online and I go to yeah. godaddy.com and I check and lo and behold, you know, F-bomb of course was taken, but drop an F-bomb was available. And I bought it that morning as a domain name. It it took her about three days. She really tried to talk me out of it for about three days. She's like, we can't do that. You know, people would be offended. And, and I said, well, if people are offended, you know, or maybe if Whole Foods doesn't like the F-bomb brand, you know, we, we still have Love You Foods. We could brand it under that for them. But as it turns out, you know, the buyer at Whole Foods, she said people try to steal the stickers off her desk and she loves it. Uh, I will say we got turned down at REI last year. The buyer at REI was concerned that the brand might be offensive, mm -hmm. uh, but you know they'll come around. I mean, GNC, CVS, they love it. Uh, we're talking to some others. HEB Market, which is a, a chain throughout Texas, uh, there are about three hundred stores. They're really nice markets. I wish they were nationwide, but uh, you know, HEB, the buyer there, just picked our product as their new product of the year, which is kind of fun. Awesome. So people like the branding. We've only had just the occasional, you know, snooty kind of, you know, <laughs> oh, I think that's offensive. People like, I can't believe you called it F-bomb. And we always play back and we go, what do you mean? It's, it's fat bomb. F is for fat. What are you talking? What are you thinking there? Yeah. You know? and just, <laughs> Put it back on them. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but, uh, Far and away, you know, when people like Allie Miller, who we have a ton of respect for, when they're posting pictures with her child eating an F-bomb and, you know, that tells us we're on the right path. People have a sense of humor. Yeah, I, I think it, I mean, it just, it adds to the character. It makes y'all's character that much more apparent. And I don't know, I think character and having a story and, and being relatable, that that is where business relationships, you know, have come from. That's where they should stay. That's what makes businesses people and we're all people so keep doing that for sure well we're not going to change we're not going anywhere and you know when joe rogan starts talking about us on his podcast like that you know we think okay we're doing something right so absolutely um, y'all i mean y'all are killing it i look at i look at y'all for motivation i mean i need to get i need to get on y'all's level y'all y'all are what i would like to emulate for sure well i think the same you know i mean we look and we think wow, we've only, you know, we just hit 20,000 followers on Instagram. And then I see people that I really respect who've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand. 
think, wow. But, you know, we all started, I remember when we hit a thousand people on Instagram, mm -hmm. like that was cool. So yeah, I, I feel like we're doing something right. Um, we're not where we want to be, but we keep getting better and, and moving forward every day. And I think that's just the thing to keep doing. Got to stay hungry for sure. Always, always uh, moving in the right direction, moving forward. You know, you got to be. Oh, we're mixing. A, go ahead. Oh, can you hear that in the background? We're mixing a new batch of coconut macadamia. So I heard him turn the mixer on in the room next to me. So. Oh, nice, nice. Production's underway right now as we speak. It is. Well, I hope it's not disturbing, but no, thank you, Robert. Love what you're doing. Uh, you help so many people. I love your podcast. You've got some great people on here until me, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, but yeah, you're, you're making a difference in lives. And I think that's pretty fun. Well, thank you very much, Ross. I, I truly do appreciate it. Where, where can uh, people go to find out more about you? Drop an fbomb.com? Yeah. Drop an fbomb.com or you can go to fatbomb.com if you want to be more, more mainstream, but it takes you to the same site. Uh, just remember on social media and, and, so our social media, you know, we're not really active on Facebook or Twitter, but Kara and I do all of the the Instagram. So, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, it's we we post about our stuff. We post about I'm about to post a, about a a lady who's got a keto friendly backpacking meal. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just I bought some. She didn't send them free. I bought some and tried them and they're really good. And, you know, I'm going to post about that. So we try to post about things that are interesting and not really overtly salesy. And yeah. uh, so on Instagram, we're fat is smart fuel. And again, just because, you know, we couldn't get F-bomb on Instagram and didn't want people finding the other F-bomb references. So yeah. just find us on fat is smart fuel on Instagram and you'll see what we're doing. We try to post behind the scenes stuff and keep everybody up to date. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I cannot wait to see you at the Metabolic Health Summit just in a couple of weeks and, and then come down there and see you at the at the headquarters in February. I can't wait to see the operation um, in person. We look forward to having you here. We'll do some video next to the Fatomatic. Put a yeah. hairnet on you. You're going to look great. Yeah, I've got plenty of hairnets. I'll, I'll, I'll come prepare for sure. Okay, thank you. I'll send you home with some red ones, though. We've got to keep the color theme going. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, tell, tell Kara I said howdy, and I'm looking forward to her, seeing her as well. And again, I, I really appreciate the time, Ross. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Say hi to Crystal and everybody. Will do. Will do. Have a good one.